Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the hockey history podcast where we evaluate Hall of Fame cases for NHL players. My name is Riley and I'm with Phil. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. And today we have the class of 1977, and um, it's it's interesting because it's a small class. It's only two players, and what's interesting about that is, of course, uh, throughout the 70s, they regularly inducted lots of players some years. Um, just as I'm just pulling it up because it's it's notable. Like in after 77, it was like three was the normal size of the class for years, but there are a couple of years uh, before this in which there were four or five players. So, uh, why they they jumped around? I have no idea. I don't know anything about the voting, uh, um, like the constitution of the hall and how they voted back then. But like, it is weird that they would like some years it's five guys and some years it's two guys. It's, it's yeah, strange. And probably just on a whim, right? They probably yeah. Like, who, who feels like should they should go in? Yeah. Um, and like sometimes it's guys who had just recently become eligible. In this case, it's two guys who are had been eligible for you know. Uh, Actually, in the case of uh, one of them, just became eligible. Actually, no. Okay, so these guys are both first-year eligibility. I was going to say, I thought they both retired earlier than they did. Yeah, um, so, I think they both kind of played forever, too. Though. Yeah, they did. They absolutely did. Uh, we're talking about Tim Horton, who played for 24 years, and Alex Delvecchio, who played for 24 years. So, wow. um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, though one of them started a year earlier, so maybe there's a typo there. Maybe Tim Horton's 25. Um, yeah, so actually he might have, he might have come up and then, yeah, you know what, Tim Horton came up and then he went back down. So that's why he is at 24 as well, because he had a minor year, uh, minor league year in there. So, um, yeah, two guys who, uh, notably, um, never won major awards, but also played for forever and are considered among the best players of their era, uh, despite never winning major awards. Um, and of course, multiple cup winners, both of them. So we're starting off with Tim Horton. And he played from 1949 to 1974 with, like I said, a minor league season in there. Um, when he retired in 1974, he was 10th all-time in goals among defensemen, 5th all-time in assists behind only Bobby Orr, Doug Harvey, Bill Gadsby, and Peter Pelote, and 4th uh, all-time in points behind only Orr, Gadsby, and Harvey. So despite a reputation for being, you know, certainly a, a bit of bit of sandpapery, you know, kind of stay at homey a little bit player. He was definitely one of them. Um, he was an offensive player. Also, please note that if you go and look this stuff up online, you're going to see a bunch of guys. If you go to Hockey Reference, there's a bunch of guys ahead of him that would put him lower. But as I've talked about many times, Hockey Reference um, doesn't let you sort out the guys who played half their career at forward. So like, Red Kelly's ahead of him, Doug Moans is ahead of him, Dick Clapper's ahead of him, Reg Noble's ahead of him, and and weirdly with hockey reference, there's that I've talked about it many times, but there's that weird glitch where Milton Schmidt is classified as a defenseman. If you search for, if you search for leaderboards. Um, so there's a bunch of guys ahead of him who aren't real D. So that's why we adjusted it. Um, he was plus 191 with, which was the sixth defenseman all time. Notably, that is obviously not his whole career. It's two thirds of his career, but you can assume based on the team he was on the fifties Leafs, that uh, he would be plus higher um, if if uh, if it had go if plus minus had been recorded from the first game he played in the NHL. I think that I think that's safe to say, right? Like he yeah, would be so. he'd probably be like plus two fifty or more. Um, yeah, you got to figure. 
Notably, he was also the first defenseman in games played at his retirement. Um, he was behind only Howe and I believe Del Vecchio in games played uh, when he retired. Um, for some reason, I didn't write that down. Um, and he was also the first defenseman in point shares, in all-time point shares, um, when he retired. And that is, like, less... I mean, it's impressive, but it's also, like, related to the fact that he had the most games under his belt of any defenseman in history. Um, that'll do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, you it's point shares is a cumulative stat, so the more games you play for a winning team, the, the way higher it's going to be. Um, he was also uh, the first uh, defenseman all-time in defensive point shares his retirement by a whopping 17.6. Um, defensive point shares like a good defensive point share season is like five or six. So that's like three, three like very good defensive seasons ahead of the next guy. Now, some of that is games played, but some of that is also, he racked up defensive point shares like crazy because he was on a good team uh, and, and a plus player. And lastly, um, at his retirement, he was eighth in offensive point shares among defensemen. So that would, you know, at least not talking per game. He was the eighth, best offensive defenseman in history at that point of course that's behind or already um and uh you know that's a cumulative set as i said per game wise um he still looks pretty good offensively he was the sixth d all-time in assists per game um at his retirement and he was the fourth d all-time in points per game uh behind only harvey oh sorry or harvey and gadsby notably though those are the only four players who would qualify for the hockey reference assist per game leaderboard at that point in career, because nobody, you know, it's 300 assists and they were the only players to have 300 assists. Uh, he obviously doesn't qualify for goals per game because he only scored 115. However, if we lower the qualifier, so he does, he was 13th all time in goals per game among uh, defensemen. However, he would be also be last on that list. Uh, so he was not a goal scorer. Of the 12 defensemen to play in at least 820 games between 49 and 74, he's second in goals despite not being a goal scorer, fourth in assists, second in points, first in plus minus. Um, he's last in goals per game, but yeah, there's like nobody actually qualifies. Um, and there's only three players who do. And he's uh, he's fourth in assists per game, but there's only six players who qualify. Uh, and again, we're we're sort of fudging it so more people qualify. And he's uh, uh, last in points per game. So this is not a star offensive defenseman, but he's fourth in offensive point shares. Again, that's out of. 12 guys. Um, he's also first in defensive point shares again by a whopping 17.9, just like way, way, like lapping the field. He's first in defense in point shares too, and he's first in games, which makes sense. Um, his, his 82 game average is 30 points plus 11. Uh, so that doesn't sound very uh, impressive, but of course we need to remember that, you know, prior to Bobby Orr. And even especially prior to Pierre Prelote, um mm-hmm. and Ray Kelly, uh, you know, defensemen did and, and Doug Harvey, d- defensemen didn't really join the rush or anything. And, of course, uh, Tim Horton does predate those guys, even though um, barely in some cases um, he does. Or at least oh, well, he definitely predates Pelote and Harvey. I think he predates Harvey. Um, so a three-year peak uh, from 63 to 66 when he was already uh, – in his mid thirties uh, is a 70 game average of 28 points plus 16 and 7.2 point shares, which for a 70 games season is pretty high. Uh, 
playoff numbers, he was the sixth defenseman all time in playoff goals at his retirement, which is quite high. He was the fifth uh, defenseman in terms of playoff assists behind only Doug Harvey. Bobby Orr had already passed everybody. <laughs> Bobby Orr second, Pierre Pelote and uh, J.C. Tremblay. And he was fifth in points behind only Orr, Harvey, Tremblay, and Pelote. Same guys. But he's also notably a minus 12 in the playoffs. And you'd be like, why? Well, Leafs. Playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leafs, Leafs in playoffs. And also, <laughs> I, uh, I say that, but they were actually pretty good back then. <laughs> he was also a minus four in his last playoff because he was playing for the Buffalo Sabres before they had the French Connection line. Or at least, like, they might have had Perot only. They were not good. So that accounts for two-thirds of that. But he actually, he's had some minus, he was even minus one year, the two years when they won the Stanley Cup, so that's interesting. Wow. That's, I was not expecting yeah. that at all. He was also fourth, uh, the fourth defenseman all time in, in um, playoff games played behind uh, Talbot, Doug Harvey, and Marcel Pronovas. Uh, I always forget Talbot's initials. I think they're like, it's J something, Talbot. Anyway, a hab. Um, at his retirement among defensemen, he was last in playoff goals per game among, uh, if our qualifier is lowered low enough, he was last in playoff assists per game. But um, but there's only five qualifying players, and uh, they are Pilot Tremblay and Doug Harvey and Alan Stanley. So, you know, being last among those guys is not really uh, that bad. He was also second last in uh, playoff points per game. But again, we're talking about um, very few qualifying players. Actually, he didn't qualify himself. If we lowered, it's still very few qualifying players. We're talking about Pilot Tremblay and Harvey. So. Um, again, it's a it's an era when defensemen just didn't score as much, especially in the playoffs. And of course, his job wouldn't have been to score, um, generally speaking. Of these 16 uh, defensemen to play in at least 82 playoff games between 49 and 74, he's third in playoff goals, last in playoff goals per game, though he doesn't qualify, fourth in playoff assists, uh, again last in APG, but like um, not you know less players uh, fourth in playoff points and uh, second last in points per game but of course he doesn't actually qualify and notably last in playoff plus minus which is weird but of course some of those guys ahead of him don't have as many cups as him so that's something interesting to think about um, hockey reference adjustment for era bumps him up three points um, to 33 points per 82 games uh, so that's something he obviously doesn't qualify for most of the versus X adjustment because it's about uh, where you stand in the league. He does, it does bump him up a lot in terms of assists, but like he's not anywhere near the top 25 in points per game among defensemen for either of these things. Um, He was traded once, but he was 40. He was traded in March of 70, um, to the Rangers for a player who to be named later, who is uh, uh, Dennis Dupere, Dupere maybe. Um, I've never heard of him. Denis, I guess it would be Dupere. Uh, never heard of him. Uh, the guy did play for the Leafs for 192 games in the 70s, as what appears to be. He once scored 23 goals in the NHL between Washington and St. Louis when Washington was the worst team in the league. So. Um, anyway, uh, but given that, you know, he was 40, you got to think you make that trade probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he was waived at 41, um, by the Rangers that traded into the Rangers 
and then um, he was claimed by the Penguins, and then he was waived by the Penguins. Or sorry, I shouldn't say he was waived. He was left exposed in interleague drafts because that was a thing they used to do, and he was left exposed two years in a row at 41 and 42. So really damning indictment of Tim Horton, the fact that he was left unprotected in his 40s. He was a first all-star three times. Oh, sorry, first. Notably, he's sort of like the the original six Brad Park. Um, he was nominated for a Norris Trophy. He finished top five in Norris voting six times. And it's worth noting that saying top five sounds pretty good, but it's not actually true. What really happened is he finished second twice, he finished third twice, and he finished fourth twice. He was never fifth. Um, the years he finished second... Uh, one year was uh, 64, um, and he finished behind uh, Pierre Pelot, who had uh, a very impressive offensive season, scoring uh, 53 points in 70 games at a time when that was unheard of for a defenseman. Um, and the other time was in 69, um, when he finished behind, uh, I, it might have been Bobby Orr. Yeah, he finished behind Bobby Orr. Wow. And that was, that might have been the year, was that the year, oh no, 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 it was the year previously that Bobby Orr didn't deserve that year. Um, yeah, I mean, and Bobby Orr just like, you know, killed everyone in the voting. Um, but Tim Horton was 39, coming in second to Bobby Orr when you're 39 seems impressive. Um, when, when I, you know, my old blog, I did a Norris recap thing years ago, years ago, which I think at some point we're going to do our own version of, but I gave him, depending, I had two different evaluations and one of my evaluations gave him four Norris trophies and the other one gave him one. So a very big discrepancy, but still I gave him at least one. Um, and you know, I think it's, it's not insane to think that like he probably deserved at least one. If he'd, unfortunately his career overlaps, Doug Harvey's, um, and Ray Kelly's. Uh, so, uh, you know, Brad Park situation a little bit. So he was a first team all-star three times, um, including uh, both years he finished second for the Norris and one year when he finished third, he was a second all-star uh, three times as well. And then he had seven all-star game appearances. Um, he was a top 10 player by point shares three times in 54, 62 and 65. So 11 seasons apart. Hockey reference has him as the best defensive play in the league in 54 and 63. Top five, seven times. So in 59, 65, 66, and 68, notably later in his career, and top 10, 13 times, uh, 53, 55, 60, 61, 64, and 71 when he was 41. Um, he's tied the second most uh, – uh, he's, he's, he's tied for um, the second most defensive – like top 10 in defensive point shares uh, in NHL history behind only Nick Lidstrom. He led the league in plus minus once, and he was top five twice and top ten three times. Uh, he obviously we can't figure out his versus X peak because he didn't score. He was, um, by my count, the best skater on the '62 Maple Leafs that won the Stanley Cup. Um, let me just pull that up so I can explain my reasoning here. Uh, he led the Leafs in scoring with 16 points in 12 games. Um, the ne the next highest scorer on the team was Dick Duff with 13. So he outscored, um, you know, he outscored his uh, next team by three, which in 12 games is a lot. Now, That's it's mostly lot. assists, but still. Um, however, Johnny Bauer uh, had a hell of a playoff. 
934 save percentage and a 207 GAA. Um, so I gave it to Bauer as the overall best player in my mind, but Horton, I think, you know, uh, we don't have ice time, but we got to assume Horton was playing a lot of ice time. He is the star defenseman of the Maple Leafs at the time. And, uh, you know, outscored the forwards. Now, somehow a minus two. I don't know how, but a minus two. Um, I, I suspect he played a lot. I, I think that's it. Like, he would, you know, if he was had that reputation as a shutdown D-man, um, you know, he's he's getting all the tough matchups all the time. And so he's playing against the other team's top line. And, you know, like you're, you're a lot of times you're going to end up as a minus when you're the one doing that. Yeah. And just limiting them, like limiting the damage so that they're not killing you is, is really valuable to a team. So and they, at the end of the day, they did win the Stanley Cup, right? Like he's yeah. a minus two, which looks bad, but they won the Stanley Cup as exactly. him as the team's leading scorer. Now I don't know how many of those assists were power play assists because yeah. back then they only tracked power play goals, not both. Um, so it's possible that he like didn't have a great even strength playoff and had and just like just had a ton of power play assists. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, it doesn't look like it because the fact is the power play goal leader for the Leafs that season is Red Kelly or that playoff was Red Kelly with three. So it certainly doesn't look like the assist came on the power play. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it seems like it's, it's a reasonable thing to suggest he was the best player that playoff I would think um, so. without having watched it. He was also the best defenseman um, on the 63 Maple Leafs who also won the cup. Um, let me just pull up that team. He led the playoffs in plus minus. So he made up for his terrible 62 showing. Um, but he didn't have the same massive scoring. He only scored four points, but he was a plus 10, um, you know, and uh, so that's what more of what you expect. He also arguably was the best defenseman by points on the infamous 67 Leafs, um, but again, was min- weirdly minus. I don't know why. Um, and then he uh, he was also on the... Uh, um, the Leafs in 59 that lost in the uh, finals. Um, and he was a top two. He actually got outscored by, a, um, despite, you know, like I said, this is not a high scoring D, but he finally got outscored by his defensive partner on the 59 Leafs. Um, he got outscored enough by multiple other players on the 64 Leafs. I have no idea what his role was. I think it's safe to assume he was the number one D, but he got outscored and we don't have, um, you know, we do not have uh, ice time. So we have no idea what his role was on that one. Um, I have him listed as top four because the only thing I can judge by is is his points. And the people ahead of him that year were Alan Stanley, Bob, Bob Bond, and uh, well, they were both ahead of him, yeah. So, um, but like, who the hell knows, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so he won four cups, and uh, yeah, um, that's that's his career. Um, noted like he didn't win a Norris, mm-hmm. but uh, it's safe to say that some people I know feel he should have. I of course never saw him play, and then of course he is the namesake of the most popular pseudo restaurant in Canada. <laughs> I don't know what that does for him. Yeah, it it is it is no longer Canadian, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it is owned by a Brazilian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, uh, when 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 he died in '74, uh, his business partner, I guess, bought the fam bought, bought the Horton family out for a million bucks. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I guess that's yeah. why he retired because he died. 
Uh, yeah, like legitimately, he was driving home from a game against the Maple Leafs. Uh, yeah. He played. He was playing for Buffalo, uh, and Punch Imlac went and got him for Buffalo, in spite of the fact that he was quite nearsighted at that point. Yeah. It, was, it doesn't matter. You're good enough. Like just keep playing. Um, he was. He was generally regarded during his career as the strongest guy in the NHL. Yes, he was. Um, he had like a, an infamous move when somebody would like start a fight with him, where he would inevitably end the fight by just bear hugging the guy, and the guy just couldn't get away anymore. And that was it. Was over. <laughs> And uh, Bobby Hull had a really good quote where he said there were there were some defensemen, notably Eddie Shore, that you had to fear because they'd hit you from behind or they'd do something dirty. He's like, but Tim Horton was so strong he didn't have to do any of that. He just he was just strong, and that was intimidating all by itself. Um, but yeah, he, he like he continued playing for Buffalo even though you know he was getting nearsighted and you know was you know in his forties and he was still playing because he was just so strong that he could still be an effective shutdown defenseman. Yeah. So pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I had forgotten. I knew he died in a car accident. I forgot he was still playing. Yeah. Um, it's. Yeah. I lived in Hamilton for a while, and um, that's where uh, Tim Hortons was founded. Mm-hmm. And um, it's weird because he's from Cochrane. Oh. Uh, so I I I it's I don't know why he chose Hamilton, but uh, you sort of get like steeped in a little. You know, there's a, you can go to the location of the first Tim Hortons and stuff. And I, I definitely feel like I knew more about his life and his death when I lived there. And this was many yeah. years ago and I forgot it at all. Uh, I forgot he was still, um, anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to change our notes so that I, I put at his death instead of retirement. Cause he may have kept playing, right? Who knows? He might have, yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, so I've always, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a least fan, so I'm going to absolutely, you know, just, this is one of the great defensemen in Leafs history. I'm going to say he belongs to fame, obviously. <laughs> um, I do think that, like, given the sort of, like, spotty record of the writers who are voting on Norris Trophies over the years, yeah. it's not insane to think that this is a guy who could have won one. He did make six end-of-season All-Star teams, um, yeah. including three firsts, which, is, like, there are plenty of people in the Hall of Fame who have not done that. Now, of course, he did it in the original six era when it was easier. Um, but you know, this is somebody who was considered the first or second best defenseman in the league three times and one of the top four, three times, three other times. So, yeah, you know, normally you would think that would get you at Norris at some point. However, Doug Harvey exists yeah, and Doug, Doug Harvey, Harvey won like seven in a row or whatever it was. Yeah. So, yeah. And then he, you know, Doug Harvey leads pretty much straight into, uh, uh, well, we were, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah and, and Pillow won three, if I'm not mistaken, um, mm-hmm. right there between the two of them. So, yeah. you know, there was definitely a, like, a tendency to give it to, like, I know, listen, I, I never watched Doug Harvey play. I mean, he's on my list of the greatest defensemen of all time, despite not watching him play. But I do think there's at least one Norris Trophy of Doug Harvey's when he was with the Rangers, where it was just completely, like, it was a little bit of a, it's the opposite of what happens now when people get tired. Yeah, it's what happened to Jordan, for example, when they gave it to Carl Malone instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the opposite of that. It was like we're giving it to him because that's what we do. It's like the Lidstrom 2011 one. It's yeah. like we just give the Norris to Lidstrom. That's what we yeah. do. Yeah. There's wild, one wild Doug Harvey times. trophy where he got it. It wasn't a year that uh, I don't think it was a year that uh, Horton finished second. But there was one year, I can't remember which year it was, where it was like very much like he was a minus. Now, they didn't know he was a minus at the time because the, that stat wasn't public. But like, there's a year that Doug Harvey won the Norris when he was a minus, and you know, and for the Rangers who were not good, and you're just sort of like, they just gave it to him because he's Doug Harvey, and it's like, mm-hmm. 
that screwed somebody over. I don't know if it's Tim Horton, yeah. but it screwed somebody over. Anyway, my vote is absolutely 100% Tim Horton belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, both just because, I mean, because like this guy who's, you know, like I said, if def- if you can go by point shares, he was considered among the best defensemen in the league for as long as anybody aside from Nick Lidstrom, um, which says something. Uh, but like I said, I'm biased. He is arguably, I think it's like Salming and him are the, you know, at least from the original six on, it's Salming and him is the great, you know, if you go back before that, I guess you got to include King Clancy as well, but like it's Salming and him is the greatest defenseman in Leafs history. So. Yeah. It's, um, no, I, I, I think he absolutely belongs. He's, uh, he's, he's got a really strong case. His, um, his importance on cup winning teams, but also just, you know, it's, um, sort of like, uh, it's a good thing that he's in because there are so many defensemen who are those classic shutdown defensemen who sort of never get in or they don't get acknowledged. Um, in, in a way without having seen him play, uh, sort of like the way that I think of him is the way that I think of like Scott Stevens, where it's like, you, you you wouldn't see it necessarily on the score sheet, but if you watched him play and you saw like the way he was able to intimidate and control the game and that kind of stuff, you're like, yeah, he belongs for sure. Like, yeah. and he did, it's not like he didn't score at all. He scored. He no, just didn't score it, at the yeah. rate that like, especially once like Pelot came up, yes. came along. You know, he was not scoring at rates like that. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think it's a stretch to say that over his career he was a top five man for most of it in the league. Like I think it that's sure seems like it. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, to, to me, if you play for 20 years and you're one of the top five players at your position for those 20 years, you should probably be in the Hall of Fame when yeah, you're one yeah. of the five best in the world to do it at that time, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. So um, the other guy we have is uh, Alex Delvecchio, notably Gordie House Center. Um, and of course, that has led to, you know, it's sort of there's a a chicken or egg question with Del Vecchio because he, of course he has in, incredible numbers, incredible as you'll see, but also was Gordie house center. <laughs> yeah. The big question, or I guess sometimes left wing. Yeah. He did play left wing as well, but notably mostly on, um, with how, um, I don't know when they first began playing together, but they did play together a lot. So he played from 50 to 74 Another 24 seasons. This time he didn't have a, a brief return in the minors like um, Tim Horton did. And I, I forgot to mention that tw- we assessed uh, Tim Horton 21 year- of the 24 years were quality. Uh, it's the exact same for Del Vecchio, 21. He only had three bad seasons. Wow. So when he retired, he was ninth all-time in goals with 456. He was second all-time in assists. Now, you want to guess who he's behind? Great. Um, yeah, I wonder who could, could be. He was also second all-time in points behind only one person, and that is his line mate. So it does make it kind of hard to figure out his career without having watched him. Yeah. Um, because, of course, my parents, if they, I guess they had met at this point, but they hadn't, they were not married. So I definitely didn't exist. And, um, you know, the fact is he's second to his line mate. It's really, it's a little bit like, the the Hull and Makita thing where you're like I know they played on different lines sometimes but you're sort of wondering like who drove but they I believe they shared the power play and you're sort of wondering who drove it right um so he was a plus 24 but that's only in the last two thirds of his career 
Um, safe to say the Red Wings were also good in the 50s, like the Leafs. Uh, it's likely he would be a much, you know, much closer to plus 100 probably. Yeah. Um, if we had data. He was also uh, second all-time in games at his retirement behind, guess who? Gordy Howe. <laughs> uh, he is now 16th all-time in games. So that's the one leaderboard he's still on. He was seventh all-time in point shares, but of course he is a passer. He was doing the passing while Gordy Howe was doing the scoring. Um, he was also uh, seventh all-time in point sh- offensive point shares at his retirement. And funnily enough, um, among forwards he was second all time in defensive point shares uh behind Gordie Howe um and that's got to do with I guess plus minus and winning mostly um but it's interesting I have no idea if he has a good or bad defensive reputation at his retirement he was 15th all time in assists per game so it drops significantly um he's still like top 15 but uh it's uh you know drops significantly and um he was 12th all-time in points per game, but notably second last among qualifying players because you needed to have scored 500 points and not that many people had only 14 at his retirement. Among the 10 skaters to play at least 1,230 games or 15 modern seasons between 50 and 1974, he's fourth in goals, fourth in goals per game, second in assists, but notably he's 97 behind Gordy Howe. Wow. His line mate. Fourth in assists per game. Second in points, and get this, Bill. This is the really, this is the fucking crazy one. He's <laughs> behind Gordy Howe by 357 points. Man. I don't even, that's a career. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not a, a Hall of Fame career, but it's a career. Yeah, well, it just goes to show how fucking amazing Gordy Howe was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also uh, tied fourth in points per game. He's fourth in plus minus, but notably he's behind third place by 127. So I don't know what the hell happened to him on on the railwings, because I'm sure Howe was ahead of him too. Uh, He's second in offensive point shares, and he's behind Gordy Howe by 72 offensive point shares. Wow. He's uh, third in defensive point shares. He's second. He's the third uh, third in point shares behind Howe and Horton, but second um, forward, obviously. And he's first in games played ahead by the uh, second by 91. His 82 game average is 68 points plus one, which may not seem that impressive, but of course he played for 24 seasons. So that is dragged down by the seasons at the beginning and the end of his career. His uh, three-year peak is weirdly between 67 and 70. I guess the league scoring jumped up. So his scoring jumped up. Um, He had a 74 game average of 75 points and plus 25, which sounds pretty damn good. His playoff numbers, he was 14th all-time in playoff goals at his retirement. He was 5th all-time in playoff assists behind only Jean Beliveau, Gordy Howe, Sam Makita, and Henri Richard. He was 11th all-time in playoff points. He was also notably, just like Tim Horton, a minus in the playoffs, only this time he was minus 3. And that can come from his final season, honestly. He was a minus 4 in his final season, in the final playoffs. So when the, you know, the Red Wings were no longer great. He was also 18th in playoff games played uh, at his retirement. Uh, he was also notably 11th all-time in playoff points, or sorry, assists per game, but didn't make the points per game leaderboard. Of the 55 skaters to play in at least 82 playoff games between 1950 and 1974, he's 13th in playoff goals, 18th in goals per game, 5th in playoff assists, so much better on assists, 7th in playoff assists per game, 10th in playoff points, Tied 10th in playoff points per game and 45th in playoff plus minus, so 10th last 
and 16th in games. So like many, many players we talk about, significant drop in his offensive output uh, as compared to the rest of the league when he gets to the playoffs. That's, you know, um, pretty common. The adjustment for era. Um, I seem to have forgotten to do his 82 game average, but he, he definitely, uh, uh, hockey reference adjustment loves him. It bumps him. He's 15th all time and assistant 18th all time in uh, points. Um, I can probably do a rough guess about it. Uh, so he was what? 1281 and 1550. And, uh, his adjusted assists are, sorry, his adjusted points. He's at, um, 14. So he's almost at a point per game. Um, if you, if you, with the hockey reference adjustment, uh, it should come as no surprise. This has happened to us many times as we talk about these original six players that the versus X adjustment loves him. So he's 20th all time in versus X goals. He's sixth all time in assists. Sixth. That's quite high. Yeah. Uh, ninth in points, top 10 player, offensive player. He is not in the top 25 in per game though. Notably, that makes sense. Um, but if we raise the qualifier to 820 games, he's 14th all time in assists per game and 25th all time in points per game. And if we raise the qualifier to 1,230 games or 15 minor seasons, he's 22nd all time in goals per game, 6th all time in assists per game, and 9th all time in points per game. Of course, that's a rarefied group that played that many um, seasons. He won the Lady Bing three times. We don't really care, but he did. <laughs> so when I said earlier, he won major. He didn't win major awards. I mean, you know, he won the Lady Bing, but he didn't win major awards. He was only um, a second All Star twice. He was never a first All Star, which is interesting. Um, now, I don't know how many seasons he played center and how many seasons he played uh, left wing, but of course, he's playing seven or he's competing with Belvo um, and probably some other people. Left wing, he would have been competing with Bathgate. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure who else. Mahovlich in the 60s, anyway. Um, probably somebody else I'm not thinking of. Um, but, you know, and then Red Kelly in the, in the uh, 60s as well, his old teammate. Um, and Norm Mullen, actually his teammate. Hmm. Who definitely went first. But anyway, only, only, only a second team all-star twice. So that was, that was surprising. Um, and both in the 50s, notably. And uh, he's 13 all-star game appearances, so like way, way more all-star game appearances than the DeBorden, which is interesting. Um, Hockey Reference has him as a top player, a top five, uh, never as a top player by point shares, but that we should keep in mind that hockey, uh, the point shares metric favors goal scoring, and of course, Delecchio was a passer. Um, he always had like double the number of assists as he did goals, uh, so that's not a surprise. He was a top five offensive player once in 1965. He was a top 10 offensive player four other times in 53, 56, 62, 66. Um, it's safe to say, you know, Gordy Howe was doing the scoring. And so it's not that surprising that those numbers don't look as impressive as you might think. He was top five in goals once and goals per game once. Top 10 five times. Top 10, uh, top 10 in goals per game three times. He, uh, was one of only 20 players ever to have 25 goals six times at his retirement, by his retirement, and one of only nine players ever to have 20 goals 13 times at his retirement, which, you know, was a lot back then. Um, he was top five in assists five times and assists per game. He was top 10 
in assists 10 times, which is tied for the seventh most ever by a player in NHL history. So it's a little bit like Henri Richard and Jacques Lemaire. Mm-hmm. He was like consistent. He didn't, he never like led the league in anything, but he, you know, he was constantly racking up those assists. He was top 10 in assists per game nine times. So that's, it's not, you know, there's not a drastic difference there. He was on one of only 23 players ever to have scored 50 assists twice at his retirement. More notably, 40 assists nine times, and that's one of only six players ever as retirement. So, like, you know, 10 years of just racking it up. Um, he was top five in points and point three m twice. He was top 10 11 times in points, which is tied for the fifth most ever. And I forgot to say who that's behind, but, you know, that would be Howe, Belvo. Uh, yeah, the usual suspects. The usual suspects. Um, he was also top 10 in points per game eight times, so slightly fewer, but still. Once again, this is not a guy who, like, who necessarily racked up the totals just, just through health alone. Um, he, you know, he was never, like, a top high, high end score. He only had 80 points once, but he had 60 points 10 times, and he was one of only seven players to, uh, do so at his retirement. He was one of only three players at his retirement to have 50 points a whopping 17 times. Wow. That's crazy. Um, guess who the other two were? How and Bellabon. Uh No, it's a teammate. Oh, uh, Hall. Ullman. Uh, Ullman. Sorry, that's what I was thinking of. I don't know why I said <laughs> Um, So that's weird. You know, it's weird. Yeah. That they just consistent, consistent scoring. Um, he was top 10 and plus minus once. Uh, versus X peak adjustment. Uh, his best seven seasons look pretty good uh he's 91st all-time in goals which is you know lower but whatever but 24th all-time in assists and 73rd all-time in points is is pretty good but best 10 seasons uh they look better 84th all-time in goals 22nd all-time assists and 43rd in points so a top 50 offensive player in history he was the best player on a playoff team only once that makes sense given his teammate and they didn't go anywhere. It was the 60 Red Wings, and they got eliminated. Um, but he outscored Bobby Holm. Or, sorry, Gordy Howe. Jesus, now I did it. <laughs> sorry, that's my fault. That's, um, <laughs> he was uh, uh, the 66 Red Wings. He led the playoffs in assists, but they, of course, didn't win as well. Um, he was a top three forward by points on two champions. There's the 54 and 55 Red Wings. And many, many runners-up because this is the Red Wings we're talking about who regularly lost. I mean, I, as we talked about with Gordie Howe, like one of the things you can say about, like one of the few things you can say about Gordie Howe in terms of criticism is that he didn't win that many cups for how good he was for how long, you know, he won four, I believe. And of course he was in many more finals. I think he was in double the number of finals than that. Um, and so Devacchio, uh, you know, was a contributing player on teams that lost in 56, 61, 63, 64. Man. <laughs> in addition to the 60-16 that I already mentioned, um, he also won in 52, but he was a, like, he was really young. He was a role player, basically, on that team. That won. So he won, uh, he won three cups, which is one fewer than Tim Horton. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have as, as good a resume, playoff resume, at least in terms of importance, as Tim Horton does. Uh, but, you know, that's because he was Gordy Howe's line mate. So, I mean, it's safe to say that somebody who retired as the second highest scorer in NHL history is, is in the Hall of Fame, should be in the Hall of Fame. But the big question is, like, we don't know really, like, 
is he one of the great centers or wingers, depending on how what that split is of all yeah. time or not? It's really hard to know because, of course, his his linemate was arguably the best right winger, if not the best winger in history. Um, you know, it's the it's a very short list. I mean, we we uh. I mean, we're talking about like Bobby Hull, Ovechkin, Yager, yeah, uh, Rocket, right? Yeah. Like that's basically the other possible contenders. And Gordy Howe sort of demolishes them in most categories, yeah. <laughs> especially in terms of the length of how how long he was good at. So it it makes it hard to say things about Del Vecchio definitively because, of course, he never didn't play with them, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there might have been years he wasn't on his line, but he was always on his team. That Gordy Howe's career extends past Del Vecchio's in both directions. I guess the one thing is Del Vecchio was still on the um, Red Wings when Gordy Howe retired and then went to the WHA. So that's wow. the one area I think. Yeah, I don't remember what year Gordy Howe retired. It was the early seventies, I think. Yeah, would have been. Yeah. So and and there's so. So at age 40, Del Vecchio somehow managed to score 71 points in 77 games in 1973, and I'm pretty sure Gordy Howe wasn't on that team. So there's like one season. Yeah, but but uh, Marcel Dion was on the team. So. There you go. Yeah. So he was never without like an all-time great on his team, though they probably weren't playing on the same line there. So I mean, like I that part I have no idea what to do with. No idea. Um, yeah. I think he obviously belongs in the Hall of Fame. Like, who knows about... Yeah, it's, it's really hard to tell, and it's like... Um, the guy that it makes me think of is uh, Nicholas Baxter. Yeah. Where he's played his whole career with Ovechkin, and it's like, you know he's really good, but, like, is he just feeding the greatest goal scorer of all time so he gets an extra, yeah. let's say, 20 assists a year that Ovechkin puts the puck in where nobody else would? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, or or is he, is he you know, responsible, you know, at least... Uh, you know, partially responsible for Ovechkin being able to like put up 50 almost every year because he's always getting him the puck. So it'd be really yeah. interesting because Baxter's out till like January this year. It'd be really okay. interesting to see how Ovechkin does without him, but he's got Kuznetsov as well, and Kuznetsov's pretty good too. So it's like maybe you yeah. don't answer the question, but it's kind of I, I, I feel like for Del Vecchio to do it that consistently that long and to be sort of a, a key element of you know, a really dominant line in, in hockey history, I think that that gets him in pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think he belongs. I'm just looking right now while you're talking to see if he's ever led, he ever led the Red Wings in points. And it sure looks like he didn't, Yeah. which is like crazy, Yeah. Um, given how many points he scored over his career. But it also makes sense because like you're saying, he's just like, you know, there's always this other player, you know, like he also had Norm Ullman on his team. And then, of course, later he had, um, like I said, Dion. Um, it's just, it's it's fascinating. And it is like, a, it's one of those questions where, like, obviously we can never know. And yeah. it's, the thing is, he was always, like, a top-line player, too. So you want to you want to you, you reward guys who are always, like, like consistently good like this, like a ridiculously long time. Yeah. But that's it's, well, it's like, you know, if somebody's able to do something at a, Maybe maybe not elite, but just below elite level for their entire career, and it's like it spans a really ridiculously long amount of time. You're like, I think that guy is, you know, I know we're not supposed to, you know, if we had like that ideal hall where you know it's only the elite of the elite get in, 
then maybe they don't get in. But like as yeah. long as the halls are built the way they are, if you're able to yeah. produce at a, an excellent level for your entire career with like no drop offs, you're always you know a, one of the top scorers on your team. You're always there. You're such an important player. It's like well, it's pretty hard not to put him in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, I mean, I, I think he absolutely belongs. It's more yeah. just, I'm just mystified as to, like, is he, like, a fringe guy? Or is he, like, like it, like I have no idea. No idea. Yeah, I've, I've already gone down into his, his, like, I ranked in my points and just started opening up teams to see where he finishes. I'm in the 50s now. He's scoring 50 points a year, and I still haven't found a single season where he's first. Yeah. Um, like he's always second or third, depends on the season, uh, and depends who his teammates are. But like, it's just fascinating to like, you know, like his like Mal- like take Malkin. Malkin had years where he well, not only led the Penguins in points, but led, now partly because of Crosby's injuries, but led the league in points. Yeah. Um, you know, there's one year Gordie Howe missed, uh, you know, 15 games. And Del Vecchio outscored him, but then some other dude outscored Del Vecchio. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Jesus, it's Tom Webster. Like, you're like, what? Tom Webster? Um, yeah, so I haven't found one. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem to have happened. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. It's really, it's wacky. Uh, and like, it's one of those things where I think you were sort of, you know, getting at it with Backstrom is like, you know, sort in some ways you don't really know the true value of the player because like you could, someone can always say, well, you know, played with the best white right winger in history, winger yeah. possibly in history, you know, um, like, like clearly not an all time great, but yeah. like also I, I just, I don't know. I mean, you got to imagine that there are some guys who could have played with Gordy Howe who wouldn't have done what he did. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, a, it's one of those weird things where I obviously didn't see him play. It was a long time ago, yeah. but my parents did. My parents grew up watching a lot of those players and, you know, whenever those names would come up, Tim Horton and and Del Vecchio, they would always talk about them like, oh yeah, and like really, like what a heck of a player, and like they would yeah. give like, a lot of praise. Where I'm like, and and you know, both my parents grew up in Montreal, so like they grew up watching the Habs. So for them to be impressed by other players, like those players must be pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I don't know. It's kind of it's one of those things. Like if we could go back and watch up enough old footage to be able to tell, but I I don't yeah. think it's a question as to whether or not he belongs in the Hall. Oh yeah, I mean. Like I, my attitude is if you're if you're second all time in points in the seventies, yeah, I I can't not have you in there. Like that's yeah. just that would be like a, a, a so exclusive a Hall of Fame that it feels kind of dumb. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. Well, that that's that's easy. I think we're both we're both on the same page about both of them, right? Absolutely. Nice easy class. The next one will be a little a little more challenging. Uh, for one of the players, the other one player is a absolute no doubt. Really this no. would have been a way better episode if Alex Del Vecchio had opened a rival donut chain called Del Vecchio Donuts, because then we would have something to talk about. <laughs> I agree. I think that's fantastic. And why didn't he do that? Like I don't know. If, it's is not he still too alive? Late. I think you yeah. can still use the name. We should get on that. Is he still alive? He's still alive. Yeah, yeah. He's super old. Uh, he's ninety, um, but he's still alive. So somebody should absolutely get him to do that now. Um, yep. and see what, what kind of commotion it causes. Um, yeah, so now, I like these Hall of Fame classes where you're not like, you know, dear God, why yeah. did they pick this dude? 
Yeah, because we've got a few of those guys coming up in the next few, so it's nice to have just one there. It's like, okay, yeah, obvious, yeah, seems easy. Yeah. All right, um, that's it for us this episode, and uh, next episode we have a goalie and a defenseman, which is interesting. (laughs) And so we will, uh, we will, and again, two guys again, and the year before that. When we get to 75, I don't even know what we're going to do. There's so many damn players. Anyway. <laughs> Make it a two-parter. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. Take care.